having a beer after a hard day's work once meant putting up with a six o'clock swill. The swill is not only unpleasant, it's also dangerous. Those who like beer, and surprisingly it's still legal to like it. South Australia joins all other states in abandoning the six o'clock swill. Welcome to the Six O'Clock Swill with Nick Cater and blogger to the nation Tim Blair joining me from the New South Wales Central Coast. Tonight we'll be talking about the President of the United States attempts to label his opponents as dangerous extremists, the favoured pretext of African dictators to stick upstarts into jail. Australian PM Anthony Albanese slam dunk shot to win the referendum on The Voice leaves him hanging pathetically from the basket. And in California, Scotland... And China, bad news for electric cars. Tim, perhaps we should start with the president of the free world, Joe Biden. What's he been up to? His folksy Joe image isn't working anymore. The man whose strongest language against anything was to describe it as malarkey. He's suddenly taken a bit of a dark turn and uh, made a speech the other day in Philadelphia. Ominously backlit, very dark. Had some armed military with him just to drive home the message that he's in charge and that the MAGA Republicans are the bad guys. Now, he's talking about 70 million people here, but I'll just give you a taste of what he said before we might hear some audio. But he said, uh, MAGA Republicans have made their choice. They embrace anger. They thrive on chaos. (laughs) God, he's making it sound really cool. (laughs) They live not in the light of truth, but in the shadow of lies. Now, you put it together with the imagery, and it's not a great look. As you said, it's African dictatorship stuff, but it's also a precursor to declaring war, isn't it? Frightening. Should we have a listen to the man himself? Yeah, let's, uh, let's hear from Joe Stalin, uh, Biden. And now, America must choose to move forward or to move backwards, to build a future or obsess about the past, to be a nation of hope and unity and optimism, Our nation of fear, division, and of darkness. MAGA Republicans have made their choice. They embrace anger. They thrive on chaos. They live not in the light of truth, but in the shadow of lies. But together, together we can choose a different path. Mr. Gorbachev, chair down this wall, it is not as a speech, is it? I mean... Who writes this stuff? His voice doesn't have the gravity in it, does it, to carry off these kind of sentiments. But you look at those words just in that that one little chunk there where he says that mega Republicans embrace anger, they thrive on chaos, and they live in the shadow of lies. He's talking about Black Lives Matter. Yeah. If he'd made this speech in 2020 about Black Lives Matter, he would have been right on the money. But he's making it about... I mean, it's always amusing to get the left's take on people who vote for Republican Party in the US because they they always characterise them as demonic racists and wicked folk. And remember the Tea Party, the precursor in a lot of ways to yeah. the MAGA Trump. crowd? Yeah. And I met these people. They were ordinary citizens. You know, there's nothing spooky about them. They, they weren't malicious. They weren't illegal in any way. And yeah, they get characterised as a satanic. And, and Biden's, Biden's taken that a step or two further with that speech. It's very much like the left here tries to characterise Pauline Hanson, always has. Mm. Dangerous, racist, populist. The word populist always puts fear into them. The idea that mm. 
the popular vote should determine the future of the government is something that terrifies them. But yeah, they take it in America to a whole new level. Of course, as ever, Tim, Joe Biden, having given this marvellous speech, then had to have it explained by his press secretary. (laughs) (laughs) Karine Jean-Pierre, should we have a listen to her? Yeah, let's listen to Karine Jean-Pierre. The president thinks that there is an extremist threat to our democracy. The president has been clear, as he can be, on that particular uh, piece when we talk about a democracy, when we talk about our freedoms. Uh, the way that he sees is the MAGA Republicans are the most energized part of the Republican Party. Uh, the, that extreme, this is an extreme threat to our democracy, to our freedom, uh, to our rights. She must feel like she's working in an aged care home, you know, having to go around following old blokes dealing with incontinence issues, really. That's <laughs> what she seems to do all day. <laughs> when you're talking about defending a nation's freedom, what's the logical next step? Isn't it when you take up arms against those who would deny you freedom? What is this person doing? That's where this rhetoric leads. Fortunately, I've got great faith in the United States and its many institutions and checks and balances. I'm sure this won't happen. But you feel like you're on the verge of it sometimes, don't you? Yeah, remember when the left used to complain about demonising the other? <laughs> they got very good at that. They really didn't like it. They were very good at that. They, they seem fine with it now when you're talking about 70 million people as living in the shadow of lies. No, they mostly live in what uh, the lefties call the uh, flyover states. To, to, to be fair to them, though, if Trump is the devil incarnate... Mm. Is it, you can't really demonise him, can you? He's already demonised. <laughs> it's like a refried beans deal. Redemon the demon. <laughs> yeah, that's what you were saying earlier, just before we started this podcast. I think we do need to explain why the Republicans aren't doing much better than they are in the run-up to the midterms. There's now doubt that they'd, they'll get the Senate and several states where they were considered to be well ahead they're not considered to be ahead anymore you've really got to be in a place where it's uh, what they say ah d plus five rather than d plus ten i.e they've got a i guess in our terms a five percent swing might do it but a ten percent might be too much and they may even lose some seats i don't know how do you read it not for nothing are the republicans known in the u.s even among conservatives as the stupid party they do find ways to lose from positions of great strength they might be finding that they're fighting against Biden, not on the issues, but on history in the past. And here we are talking about Trump as well. But Mm, that's mm. the aim, I think, is to drive it all back towards the election of 2020, rather than talking about a technical recession in the US, huge rises in the price of almost everything. There's shops in New York that are locking up spam because people are stealing it. Now, when you're stealing spam... You're pretty hungry. <laughs> You're pretty desperate. You're probably stealing it to throw out police cars or something, aren't you? You wouldn't actually eat the stuff, surely. <laughs> I don't know what the hell's going on there, but America's got a lot of problems. A lot of them have been caused directly by Joe Biden. We've got a southern border that's obviously non-existent. It's a theoretical border. And I think we spoke a couple of weeks ago about how Republican governors in Arizona and Texas were sending a lot of these illegals, to places like New York and Washington. They're not only continuing that program, they've noticed that, oh my, look, Chicago also identifies itself as a sanctuary city. So they're sending <laughs> illegal immigrants there. And Chicago, of course, hates it. How dare you How dare you send people seeking sanctuary to our sanctuary city? Look, I think we pride ourselves on offering a service to government here, don't we? Obviously, 
if you're Chris Bain, energy minister, trying to keep the lights on, you've got a lot going on. You can't keep an eye on everything. So this is a sort of danger on the horizon, Chris, wake up, Chris yes. segment, where he's promised that we're going to go to, what, 89% electric cars sold by 2030, is that right? Whatever, some stupid number that's not going to happen. It, it largely doesn't matter what number he puts on it because it's not going to occur, anything like the numbers he's talking about. There are issues, though, issues around the world on this question of electric cars. In California, they're being advised not to charge their electric cars during certain hours in a 90-degree heat, apparently. <laughs> yes. This is the same state that mandated 100% electric cars by 2035, I think. Yeah. In the same week that was announced, they announced, that, you know, they plead with everyone, for the love of God, after four o'clock, can you not charge your electric car? We don't have the sparks. We don't have the amps, don't have the volts, don't have nothing. Stop it. Unplug. And go and buy an electric car for the good of the world. The move comes just weeks after the California Air Resources Board voted to ban gas power, that's petrol-powered vehicles, yeah. by 2035. So they'll have no electric vehicles, and it looks like they might not have electric... Oh, sorry, they'll have no petrol or gas vehicles or electric vehicles, if unless they could do something to fix this, it's not going too well. If you're cashed up and in California, not that too many people are anymore because all the rich people have done sensible things like flee to Texas, but if you were cashed up and had some bit of space, you'd just be buying petrol cars and putting them in storage for a while, just wait until everything goes to hell and then put them on the market for four times the price. And I think you picked up problems afoot in Scotland as well. Oh, yes. The police in Scotland are in a... The Scottish Wallopers, their police force. I think 23 police stations in Scotland were given electric police cars. And I was very much looking forward to this because I wanted to see the first ever police chase that required police to stop for a recharge. But they sent all these cars out to different stations, but they forgot one thing, Nick. They forgot, if you've got an electric car, what else do you need? That's right, you need the charging points. None of the 23 police stations that are now equipped with electric cars have those charging points. A whistleblower told the Scottish Lib Dems that frustrated officers at one station, I'm quoting here from the Scotland Sun, frustrated officers at one station tried and failed to charge five electric cars via a cable through an office window into a three-point socket. The cop said, guess what happened to the socket? Yeah, it's pretty obvious the thing was fried. <laughs> <laughs> the walloper continued. Now the five vehicles are being deposited overnight in council car parks in the hope no damage comes to them. We're back to using the old diesel cars because at least we know where the service station is. <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine him, can't you, going, Sarge, I'm afraid the villain got away. Yeah. Uh, why was that? We only had a 25-foot extension lead. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, these electric things, it's going to be crazy. What happened, what's going on in our friendly neighbourhood backdrop of the backwater of China? In China, in China, more bad news for electric cars. Car manufacturers, including Elon Musk's Tesla, complained this week they could not obtain parts for their vehicle because the factories which make them in the Sichuan province have been shut because of electricity cuts. State media <laughs> said in Sichuan province... The rainfall flowing into the Yangtze River was 40% below average, which meant hydropower plants had halved their generating capacity. 
The result has been electricity cuts in factories and homes affecting more than 80 million people. Going back to coal, coal is becoming suddenly very trendy again. Price is rocketing. It's just amazing. Absolutely. Who'd have thought it? It's like when you watch all these millennials with vinyl records. You never thought they'd come back, did you? And yet they are. And even, I noticed yesterday in the shops, cameras with old-fashioned 35mm film in it. Really? We thought that was gone forever, but no, they've become trendy again. Coal... You'd have to have your own dark room. Well, yeah. Where else would you get rolls of film processed these days? You drop off at the if drop if you dropped a roll of film off at a pharmacy, they'd stare at you like you're mentally ill. Yes. What's this, sir? Yeah. <laughs> Let me have a look at it. Yeah. They start pulling it out. You know. Here's another electric car tail. This is again. We're back in the US. I hope it's good news this time. I hope it's good news. Oh, it's very good news. It's great news. It's a heartwarming story of electric car salvation. Maybe not. Let's just read the story. Avery Sawinski is a 17-year-old whose parents spent $11,000 on a used Ford Focus electric car, a 2014 model that had 60,000 miles on it. She drove for six months before it began giving her issues and the dashboard was flashing symbols. Possibly mega symbols, I don't know. It was fine at first, Sawinski said. I loved it so much. It was small and quiet and cute. And all of a sudden it stopped working. She told news outlets that the car stopped running after she took it to a repair shop and the family eventually found out the car's battery needed to be replaced. The problem? A battery for that electric car, that particular model, costs $14,000. So that's three grand more than the purchase price of the vehicle. Anyway, her grandfather stepped in for young 17-year-old Avery and said he'd help out with the replacement cost. Which leads us to this concluding paragraph. However, the family found out that there weren't any batteries of that type available anymore because the Ford model is discontinued. <laughs> it's all gone. All the money is gone. There you go. I'm afraid I've got more bad news on the cream. You know, more, more dark clouds building over our great clean green energy future, I'm afraid, Tim, with no. solar panels. It turns out that just because something is sustainable, solar panels are sustainable doesn't mean to say they last forever and they wear out after about 20 years. Mm -hmm. And then what? What do you do with them then? Um, well, um, Eat them? Yeah. Well, Legislative Councillor Rod Roberts, I think he's One Nation, asked Energy Minister Matt Keane how many solar panels have been recycled in the past year. And the department came back. The Department of Planning, Industry and Environment does not have data on the number of waste solar panels recycled. So Roberts went on to ask, well, what's happening to decommissioned solar panels that are not being recycled? Reply comes back, decommissioned panels that are not being recycled are currently going into landfill. Hmm. And it's estimated we'll have one and a half million tonnes of these things disposed of by 2050 at the rate we're going. Uh, and they can't be recycled because it costs 30 bucks to recycle them. And when they put them through the cycling progress, they get 40 cents in glass, 9 cents in plastic, 21 cents in silicon, 85 cents of copper, 20 cents of aluminium, and wait, $6.40 of silver, but that still only ends up to $8.50. So mm. unless the government subsidises this process, and not, let's not give them ideas. Don't, don't say it out loud, Nick. Oh, sorry. They'll just be thrown into the landfill. There's a, as the Solar Quotes blog, blog concludes, it's actually greener to put them in landfill. <laughs> uh, I don't think this has been factored into this whole thing, has it? No. Yet, so we're happy to let that, not only happy that that happens apparently, and we sub, that we subsidise them to about $7,000 a pop if somebody wants to put one on their roof, 
But we're fine with that. But under the new legislation, which is about to come into force in New South Wales, if you serve somebody a plastic fork, you could be fined up to $11,000, which is almost as much as you're fined for small quantities of cannabis. <laughs> Trafficking in plastic forks, yeah. plastic straws, cotton buds, anything like that, polystyrene lunchboxes. It's now a trafficable offence because we want to save on waste, but we're quite happy to see these great solar panels drop into landfill. Doesn't make any sense, does it? Am I missing something? I'd like to see a system of fines for people illegally disposing or disposing without sufficient care of their solar panels. That'd be quite the bind, wouldn't it? <laughs> Where do you think you go with them panels, sir? They'd ask you, and you'd have to confess that you're about to just dump them. And you'd be the world's greatest enemy after Donald Trump. Because <laughs> the trouble is, we're going to have to have so many of these. They're going to have to double in quantity rooftop solar panels by 2030 and then five times as many by 2050. Where do they all come from? China. I'll give you a clue. They come from The China. Saudi Arabia of photovoltaic panels. China. Yes. <laughs> Doesn't seem like terribly sensible. Everything about the whole renewable in industry kind of rewards China, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. You look at all the aspects. of They build the, they build the wind turbines, they mm. build the solar panels, they build a lot of the electronic equipment in various electric vehicles, as we heard from you earlier, Nick. It's only electricity shortages that are stopping them building more electric cars. And mm. aren't we meant to be sort of a bit leery about China's ambitions at this point? Maybe we should not be enriching them to quite the same degree as we were, because they're a little bit, mm. you know, mm. invady. Well, I've got great fear of anything Chinese. In fact, I thought that the only hire car I'd turned down in an absolute, if I'm absolutely desperate for a hire car in the mm. airport, the only one I'd turned down, of course, would be the Prius. You'd look like a complete ninny driving one of those, wouldn't you? <laughs> but no, it happened to be the other week I went turned up at Europe Car and they tried to offer me an MG. Oh, no. Now, 40 years ago, that would have been wow. But now, mm, no, no. It's quite the travesty, isn't it, what's happened to that brand? Isn't it appalling? <laughs> How did it happen? I mean, it, it began originally as Morris Garages. That's where we get the initials from. And it was the kind of sporty offshoot of the Morris Car Company. Yeah. And they were very effective, in some cases, absolutely beautiful sports cars. The MGA is adorable. And there's a twin cam version of the MGA, which is unaffordable these days because of its rarity and, um, and quality. And then the Chinese bought it and turned... MG into a cheap, relatively cheap, electric hatchback deal that uh, brings nothing but shame on people even just by looking at it. What's next, Tim? Are they going to buy up Maserati and turn it into a brand of fridge or the Ferrari food mixer or something like that? International law should forbid this, surely. A lot of Chinese manufacturers don't pay a lot of attention to international laws. It's, if listeners want to amuse themselves... At home, just look up Chinese versions of Western vehicles that they've attempted to copy. They look like they get some aspects of them right. They'll get the Rolls-Royce grill kind of correct or the BMW kidney grill. They'll get the, the broad style of things right. But it always looks like a mutated version of the original vehicle. Like it's had some sort of, mm. it's got some sort of genetic abnormality. They tried to make a Mini that was like twice the size of a Mini, but it had a few of the styling cues. But... Yeah, they're, they're repellent. And yeah, they just, I think BMW actually did successfully sue them, but ordinarily Chinese manufacturers just ignore international copyright when it comes to when it comes to vehicles and other objects. They would have changed the rear lights on that Mini, wouldn't they? They would have got rid of that rather neat little 
Union flag looking design <laughs> stuck the, that red flag with five stars on it, wouldn't they? Is it five stars? I don't know. I've never don't got know. Who cares? Oh, well, we'd better learn. We don't, we don't want to be disrespecting our next rulers. We could come home for more madness, Tim, or we could go to France. We'll pick. Let's go to France. Sandrine Rousseau, prominent Green MP, has opened up the barbecue war by branding the outdoor grill as a ritual that reeks of virility, male meat-eating compulsion and power over women. We have to change mentality so that eating an entrecot steak cooked on a barbecue is no longer a symbol of virility, she told a gathering at Grenoble. The latest foray for Miss Rousseau, an eco-feminist university lecturer with a reputation for controversy, provoked anger with the Conservatives. President Emmanuel Macron's centrist camp also and also traditional male leftists. It came only a week after the Greens suggested banning private pools. No, you're a bit of a barbecue whiz, Tim, which I suppose is why I've always associated with virility myself. But <laughs> is it inherently virile? Her name's Rousseau, mm. did you say? Her Rousseau, yes. That's kind yes. of appropriate, isn't it? <laughs> it is. <laughs> Reminiscent of another wide-eyed dreamer from the lunatic fringe. Absolutely. <laughs> She's wrong. Because barbecue obviously has no masculine or feminine qualities that that I can see. It's just something maybe men do because it's one area where we can make more of a mess than we would be allowed to in the kitchen when we're cooking. Men being, myself included, being notoriously incautious, let's say. Is that the right word, Nick? Around uh, Mm. cooking implements. So I, I think that's one reason why we're restricted to cooking in messier circumstances that would be permitted indoors. I think we've got a little clip from a woman known as Helen Turner. She's a barbecue lady out in in Tennessee. And I think Ms. Rousseau, Mademoiselle, Mademoiselle, whatever Rousseau, might care to listen to Helen Turner. All right, this guy came in. Who cooking your barbecue? I said, I am. He said, no, you're not. I said, who do you see? This is a man's job. That's what he said. This is a man's job. Can't no woman do this? Because women don't cook barbecue. I said, I do. He really didn't believe me. But he got over it and he came back again and he's still seen the same person. <laughs> so she's been running that joint single-handed for 17 years. As she points out in the charming video called Pitmaster Helen Turner is a one-woman barbecue machine. You can find it on YouTube. <laughs> it's beautifully shot. She's a wonderful character. It is. And the size of the scale of that barbecue is just... Oh, yeah. It's a big set of Mm. equipment but she's been running that joint single hand for 70 years and as she says in this charming video if she's not there the door's shut if she goes on vacation holidays if she's away for a weekend or whatever that's it there's no one else she doesn't have any other staff she runs the entire thing herself so i think this french lass should shut up she's wrong yes and i'd say the same about independent mp zali stegel who tweeted recently Did you know switching one pack of mints per week for a plant-based alternative saves around 48 kilos of CO2 emissions? That's around 196 kilometres in your average car. Speak for yourself, I think my car would be considerably less than that. She's flat out wrong, isn't she? First of all, her first mistake, switching one pack of mints for a plant-based alternative. Does she not know that beef is plant-based? It's just got an animal to process it for you instead yes. of a machine. Oh, hang on, hang on. Is that what she's talking about? 
I thought you were talking about polo mints. <laughs> no mints. Oh right. Oh. You, you you wouldn't you wouldn't understand what mints was. It's what chip poor people <laughs> have, Tim, when they can't get real. Uh, have steaks. you seen the prices for mints lately? Oh, I know. Eight dollars for half a kilo at my local shops. Ridiculous. Eight bucks for half a kilo, and that's not the fancy lean. Look at me, I'm trying the mints. It's the just the that's your baseline entry level spaghetti bolognese mints. Eight bucks for half yeah. a kilo, mate. And, and I think this whole war on meat is just all it's totally overblown, and, and it's just full of errors. I grazing cattle and sheep is a highly efficient, environmentally friendly way of converting plants into protein and nutrients like vitamin b12 i believe and um if you don't get those your nervous section your nervous system is likely to go berserk which perhaps is accounts for some of the strange behavior from vegans the, and the meat industry's contribution to national emissions i, I read has actually fallen by 57 percent since 2005 so we should be patting these people on the back shouldn't we not slandering them with tweets yes beating up on the, on the meat people it's not fair you had more teal news. Zali was the, a sort of a pre-teal, wasn't she? She was a Trojan teal. A prototype teal. Yeah. She was a sort of test-run teal. Yeah, to see if... Can the public tolerate rich Karen-style people in power who talk mm. a big environmental game but don't own electric cars? And it was then discovered that, yes, certain electorates will embrace these people which is why we now have the member for Wentworth, Allegra Spender, who famously during the campaign was asked by a punter if she had solar panels or an electric car, and she said no, she didn't have either of those things because in her circumstances she you know, no real off-street parking and her roof involved some sort of strata issues and so on. And she painted this picture as though she had no, no ability to go anywhere else. Her circumstances were that, that straightened. Well, she's lately found somewhere else to buy. I think more as an investment than anything else. But this is in, really? in the papers this week. Allegra Spender, who recently gave her inaugural speech to a House of Representatives with just two Liberal Party politicians in attendance, has bought again at Great Mackerel Beach on Pittwater. The house was secured for $1.8 million just six days after she won the May 21 election. Okay, well, that's nice. Now... What about this joint? Uh, it's kind of close to water. In fact, that's one of the selling points. It's a 320-metre level walk to the shoreline. That means any ocean height increase, is more ocean raising because we're killing all the ice cubes or whatever <laughs> at the poles. <laughs> Isn't she just setting this joint up to be swept away by global warming and climate change? You've got to walk the walk. Why would anyone pay $1.8 million for a doom hut out of people? Exactly. If she believed her rhetoric, she'd be buying probably halfway up that slope that leads up to the Blue Mountains, wouldn't she, on the Great Western Highway? That's roughly where the sea will be, according to these predictions. She'd have absolute waterfront. Yeah. Absolute water. That's where you go. That's where the money's to be made. So either she's not a very good investor in houses or she really doesn't believe this stuff at all. Why doesn't she buy up big in Burke? Burke. That Burke's largely floodproof, from at least from ocean rises. <laughs> they might get occasional downpours that, that flood a few streets. But, and you get a lot for one, well, 1.8 million in Burke, like basically Burke. Yeah. Is Burke floodproof? I'd have to have a think about that. But the river's in a very deep 
gully there, isn't it? It's in a, the, the Darling There is a river there, and it would have flooded once or twice. There would have been one or two historic floods. But The Murray flows through, and it's in a very deep gully. But, mm. Yeah, no, probably years ago, but no, it's pretty much floodproof. That's where you'd be. Certainly when it comes to oceans. I don't think Burke has no issues with the oceans. No, I don't think it's ever going to have seafront, is it? There are benefits of property and Burke might have or won't have seafront. Burke has very minimal membership of the local surf life-saving community. Oh, it's pathetically supported. <laughs> There's only a couple of them. A friend of mine a friend of mine got a job teaching in Burke because I'm not sure if it's still in place, but there used to be this system in the education department. If you taught for a couple of years at places where no one wanted to, to, to teach in mm. notoriously rough areas or whatever, you could fast-track your way to getting the position of your dreams somewhere on the coast. And a very popular option was Burke. And my friend mm. said, well, I'll sign up for two years as a teacher in Burke. And he found it, in some ways, quite a charming place. And I was talking to him one summer about how he was enjoying it there, and he said, oh, it's mostly good, but there have been some incidents I'm like, you haven't been caught up in anything? He said, no, 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 but there was a Christmas parade that went wrong when the children dragged Santa from the back of the ute <laughs> and robbed him. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, things do get a bit dicey there. We should go to the big political story of the week, which was Anthony Albanese's attempts to recruit, recruit Sha- Sha- Shaquille O'Neal, or Shaq, as yes. Albo calls him, to the cause of the the voice, the indigenous voice. Because Shaq O'Neal is better in this country, well as being a reasonable basketball star, so we're all aware of that, but his magnificent ads for online betting. Let's have a listen. 350-yard bomb. And I just loaded up on the pies tonight. I just backed the one dog in the next adapter. Glory, glory to She's gonna purr like a kid. Meow. I never miss having a bet on Friday night footy. Sunday football. Ten legs, same game multi. Da, 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 da. Just bet on footy with points bet. I like the multitask. We're both winning today. It's shocking easy to bet anytime, anywhere with the points bet app. It's shocking easy. He's not the guy I would have immediate not the guy I would have immediately thought of going to explain a very complex constitutional change <laughs> that have long, far-reaching consequences for the Australian civic. You raise a very valid point. Nick. You wouldn't have picked him. But anyway, well, he turned up at a yes. press conference. We might listen to that. And here he is. Hello, Neil. Hey. Sir, how are you? How are you going? Good to Hello, see you. Hello, Australia. Nice to see you. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Nice to see you. <laughs> I'm here in your country. Whatever you need from me, you just let me know. Fantastic. Appreciate thank you. Guys. Congratulations, you guys. Everyone knows Shaq loves Australia. All right. Awesome. All right, I'll see you soon. That's right. Have a good time. Yes, ma'am. All right. I need that government clearance, too. That'll be done. So that's 30 seconds, I think, that lasted, or less than 27 seconds. Yeah. That's what you, I don't know how much he's being paid for that gig, but I didn't hear the voice mentioned once. Now, apparently they've spoken of the voice in privately, and that the story is that Shaquille O'Neal, as, as one does when visiting a foreign country, requested an audience with the leader, was granted that audience, 
and said that he was interested in this voice to parliament thing. Now, he's an, an unusual person in that context for a lot of reasons, Nick. One of them is that it turns out that Shaquille O'Neal has only voted once in, a, in US elections by his own account. And the reason he previously didn't vote in any elections for his entire life was that he was confused by the Electoral College. So I'm not sure someone with that record or someone who is confounded by a very simple system such as the Electoral College is really the right guy to be talking about a potential third element, third parliamentary element in Canberra. I think there'd be one or two more informed people. I'm not sure how far into the Constitution he is yet, how far deeply he's read into but, How um, would he cope with that Senate ballot paper? Oh, that, yeah. <laughs> Miles long. When you unfold it, it's taller than Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> so yeah, that was an unusual yeah, selection, no, and apparently it hasn't gone down too well. It's been condemned by both Lydia Thorpe, the wide-eyed, green-left Indigenous trot mm. from Melbourne, and the very sensible and centrist Jacinta Price yes. from Alice Springs. So... I'm yeah, he's basically none one no friends across the political spectrum. And this we polled this week at Mantis Research Centre asked people was this was Shaquille O'Neal's entry into this debate good or bad for the cause of the voice? Seventy yeah. percent said bad, thirty mm. percent said good. And, and when you consider in that kind of polling, it's almost always a sort of home team vote. Yeah. If, you, if some people are going to stick with Albo or Labor, come what may, or the vice versa. And so that's basically 100%. People thought this. But how could he fall into that trap? There's a darker side to it, Tim. It just, what was in his, what's his logic? Shaquille O'Neal. Black. American citizen, plays basketball. They all look the same. Yeah, black, they all look the same. And so if it was Native American, you might just get away with it. But no, not African American. It's just a. What do you think he should have gone for Elizabeth Warren? That would have gone down a treat. Everyone loves her. (laughs) Not. What this shows is this whole horrible critical race theory, Black Lives Matter thing, is infiltrated Albo's head somewhere, hasn't it? Or he's got confused. I don't know. I just think put celebrities somewhere and politicians start acting goofy. And we've all seen the clip of Bill Shorten saying to Arnold Schwarzenegger that he was going to be the next Prime Minister of Australia. Put any celebrity in front of, especially Labor politicians, I get, and they get a bit giddy and do stupid things, and that certainly is the case with with Wacky Albo and his his love his love shack. So anyway, there's your confusion for the week. What song else is on the agenda? Uh, the moonshot, Jim. Yes. Speak of matters lunar, Nick. I think the launch has been postponed. They didn't want to risk it, but you'd think that launching a thirty-two story high rocket. And sending human beings hurtling into space at 32 t- times the speed of sound was a big enough achievement if you could make it. Yeah. And e- even better if you could keep them on course for the moon, enter lunar orbit, eject lunar module to the surface, return it safely. It'd be tricky, but that would be a fantastic achievement. And on top of that, they want to launch a second rocket from lunar orbit carrying humans to Mars. Mm. Ah. But that's not the peak of NASA's ambitions, according to the ABC. Oh, no. This week, the ABC revealed that the ultimate goal 
was to land the first woman and first person of colour near the moon's south pole by the end of 2025. That's really what they want to do. It's a bit racially insensitive to send them to the south. <laughs> just reckless. Just because the guy's black or whatever. It's like, oh, he'll, be just, he'll be right at home eating some moon watermelon. <laughs> These people are just bigots. By the way, here's, here's a fun thing to do, Nick. Yeah. When next you were travelling in the US... The two sort of main areas for NASA moon stuff, obviously Cape Canaveral or Cape Kennedy in Florida and the base in Houston. And I've been to both. And until you have been to both, you're not aware that it is, there is some rivalry between Houston and Cape Canaveral. And mm. I wasn't aware of it until I was in the center of Houston, which is a beautiful sort of thing. You can, go, you can actually go to the room that we've all seen a million times on TV with all these anxious people in horn-rimmed glasses, short-sleeved shirts, smoking, watching as the very first moon landing was going to occur. And you get to look through glass at this room, and it hasn't altered a bit. And uh, when I was there, I was like, I noticed there were no ashtrays. It's one of the features of the rooms, and it was explained to us that the ashtrays had all been taken away, along with a lot of other bits and pieces, all for refurbishment ahead of an anniversary the coming, in the coming year. So they're not running away from the smokes. <laughs> but I asked... We were invited to ask questions of a former NASA guy. And I asked him... Because there's some confusion about... People think sometimes that it's Cape Canaveral in the famous footage. And he said, no, sir, no, it's right here. Those guys, they've been riding that lie ever since the landing. <laughs> like, he was serious about it. So, yeah, if you want to spark up some arguments over there, get the moon guys going at each other. It's, it's a terrific rivalry, and it's, it hasn't abated all these many decades after the 1969 uh, moon landing. It's still bubbling there below the surface. And that's even suppose you actually believe men landed on the moon. That's right, yes. If you fall for that, if you're one of those rubes. I'm sure you've got the right degree of right degree of scepticism on that point i would have thought finally and i think we are getting towards the finally unless you've got something else touched in your back drawer there did you catch up with the uh, rugby league style christian walsh's brutal attack on peter fitzsimons in the week yes cool. i did it was quite a delight of, wasn't it accused him of hypocrisy the idea of peter fitzsimons uh, being accused of hypocrisy is of course preposterous to start with <laughs> well absolutely i'm looking here right now at the daily mail's report Rugby League star Christian Welch has taken a brutal swipe at Peter Fitzsimons for his hypocritical stance on Australian golfer Cam Smith, signing with Saudi-backed LIV Golf Tour. Smith's shift to the Breakaway Golf League is reportedly earning him $140 million, something the former Wallaby author and husband of TV host Lisa Wilkinson slammed I knew she'd be in there somewhere, the by the way. Con. I like the order, but the former Wallaby author and husband of Lisa Wilkinson. Wilkinson. <laughs> it's uh, descending. But the Melbourne Storm prop who was a Bachelor of Commerce and is completing his MBA, pointed out that Fitzsimons recently, appearing in an advertised, recently appeared in an advertising campaign for the food delivery app Uber Eats, which Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman is a major investor in. Too bad about the split infinitive there, I think, Nick, but everything else pans out. And, yeah. Boy, I think we got a clip from that advertisement. Tonight... I'll be eating a chilli dog and fries from Lord of the Wings in Carindale. (laughs) 
in the end, he's doing his ironing. I think he's ironing. I think he actually yeah, is ironing. ironing a bandana. Yeah, that's because right. He's such an idiot. <laughs> and there's some of his books propped up in the background. None of his yeah, star- none of his none of the staffers who would do all the research for those books are ever in these ads, though, are they? No, they're all unread. They're all downstairs. Think, all the people who in the basement. Yeah, windowless. In the in the that's right, in the windowless basement, churning yeah. out, desperately begging, churning for, out. So they they don't get Uber Eats. Cliche-ridden books. They get Uber scraps. They get Uber leftovers, and they'll be grateful for them. They get paid by the cliche, apparently, not by the hour. <laughs> I'm not sure what the process is. Do, do they essentially write it, and then they just give a manuscript to Peter, and he adds a bunch of commas in the wrong places and a few exclamation points, and <laughs> job done. Give me another 600 grand or whatever stupid amount of money is on per title. Yeah, I think the exclamation points are his main addition to the book. The bill for those, and all those commas. His comma budget must be enormous. There's more of those, four commas in a Fitzsimons column, or even a tweet, than there are solar panels in landfill. I swear sometimes I've gone back to his tweets, and I don't know how he does it, but there's more commas. There's no edit function in Twitter, but it's like they self-generate. Perhaps he's got a program that puts them in. Anyway, that's enough, I think, for one swill, just the two of us today, Tim. But thank you, it's been fun. Yes. I'm off to my... Wife's birthday party? No, I shouldn't say that. No. It's the anniversary of her 21st birthday we're celebrating. There you go. That's good. Yeah. And uh, don't forget, you can email us at nick at au, or please give us five stars. That sends the algorithms racing and gets more people listening to The Swill. See you again next week, Tim. Good on you, mate. Cheers. Every American and LBJ is with Australia all the way. Australia is the best place in the world to bring up a family. But we will decide who comes to this country and the circumstances in which they come. Tell you what, any boss who sacks anyone for not turning up today is a bum. How good is Australia? Yeah!